Hey, you guys, Cassie Merritt here. I just wanted to apologize before we dive into this interview for the poor audio quality, but unfortunately had issues with one of the pastor's microphones in this pastor's Q&A episode. And luckily, I was able to catch it midway through. But uh, the first part of this interview sounds a little off. He sounds a little distant. And I really had to hike up the volume to get it to where you guys can hear what he is saying. You know, I am working hard on trying to improve my audio quality every time. I want you guys to have the best quality as you're listening to this in your car or in your headphones or wherever you're listening to it. So this is definitely below my standards for the Living in Hope podcast as far as audio goes. So I do want to apologize for that before we dive into this interview. So keep listening. I promise it gets better and I hope you guys enjoy. Friends, welcome to another episode of Living in Hope. I am your host, Cassie Barrett. Okay, today I will be sitting down with a couple of pastors again for the special series, Pastors Q&A. This is so much fun because these questions that I ask come from you guys. So this just gives you guys a great opportunity to ask whatever is on your heart, whatever is on your mind, and to get to know the pastors here at Camino Chapel a little bit better as well. But either way, whether you attend Camino Chapel or attend a different church or from a different state or whatever, it is still fun to be able to ask these questions. I mean, I know that I have so many questions myself that I've always wondered. And so this just really gives you an opportunity to have a place where you can safely ask those questions. So today I get to sit down with pastors Matt Lee and Mitch Mitchell, and the topic for today is questions about the Bible. And as you know, these can tend to go on a little bit longer because there's a lot of questions to go through and a lot of in-depth answers, which is awesome. So I'm going to divide this into two parts. So today you're going to be listening to part one. Get ready to learn so much and to have your questions answered. You're going to enjoy this. So let's go ahead and dive in. man. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. It's really been fun doing this series, getting to know the pastors here at Comedo Chapel a little better. So thank you for coming on. Good to be here with you, Cassie. Thank you. All right. Well, let's go ahead and have you guys introduce yourself. Glad to. Well, my name is Mitch. My real name is Frank, but no one usually knows that. What? Yeah. My real name is Frank, but my last name is Mitchell. And so my nickname is Mitch. Yeah. Uh, Okay. And I am married to Berna. We will be married 40 years in this June. Okay. We have two grown adult children, both of them married. Both of them uh, have given us two beautiful grandchildren. In fact, our most recent grandchild was born two, three days ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, man. So I've been here at the church forever. Uh, yeah. You know, when Jesus left the planet, I started here. <laughs> So we've been here oh. since 1982, mm-hmm. um, and I started as a youth pastor, and as the church has grown over the years, I've just assumed different roles and responsibilities, but this decade I've been doing missions and outreach. Oh, so cool. Are you able to do missions right now? 
Well, missions trips, no. Okay. Missions, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, Chapel that's a good point. 27 missionaries that we support every month. So we're wow. in constant contact with them and encouraging them and helping them hmm. with support. But as far as trips, no. Yeah, I guess that's, that, I never really even thought about yeah. how like missions is more than just the trip part. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. an iceberg. Most of yeah. missions is under the water. It's, huh. you know, just huh. supporting missionaries that are on the field. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. All right, Matt, let's hear from you. My name is Pastor Matt, and I'm the youth ministries pastor here at Commander Chapel, which ultimately just means I work hands-on with junior high ministry, and I work with with those students. They're they're amazing. I love those students. Yeah. They're the most honest people on the planet, <laughs> uh, and and they're full of life and and enjoy. And so, uh, so that's what I do. But I also oversee Aaron um, Barden, who uh, who runs the high school ministry. Okay. And then I also oversee the children's ministry, as well as the, the kindergarten program, um, or excuse me, preschool, preschool? ministry, yeah. <laughs> uh, preschool ministry here at Commando Chapel. And so uh, I oversee that. Um, I've got a wife. Um, mm. we, we'll be married, let's see here, 17 years here in June. And, and this next week is actually our, this Wednesday is our 20 year first date anniversary. So I've been planning yes. for months. No, I'm oh, just, yeah. kidding. just kidding. And I've got. You just remembered, didn't that's you? That's right. It just dawned on me. Uh, and then I've got three kiddos. I've got uh, my youngest is Brooklyn. She's She just turned eight years old. Literally just a few days ago. And then I've got Maya, who's 11 years old. And I've got Logan, who's 13 years old. So I've got I've got an amazing family that God has blessed me with. And this is my, this mate will be the start of my 16th year doing youth ministry here. At oh, Chapel. wow. So I'm really wow, excited. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, That's huge. Yeah. That's really yeah. huge. Well, you're also on the first podcast as well. So yeah. If you want to hear That's a little right. bit of his story, definitely go check out the first episode. Yep. Okay, well, I'm really excited to dig into these questions. You know, the, we got a lot back here, but we had a we had to narrow it down a little bit just because of time-wise, and these are pretty big questions. So, um, the topic this time is questions about the Bible. So, we'll go with the first question, and that is, who wrote the Bible? Let's start with you, Mitch. What a great question. I think it's probably one of the questions that I had mm-hmm. when I became a follower of Christ at age 20. Yeah. Who wrote this mysterious book? And I really didn't know much about the Bible, let alone who wrote the Bible. Yeah. I would say, first of all, Cassie, that the Bible is probably the most beloved and hated book in the whole wide world. Yeah. People yeah. have died to preserve it and people have died trying to extinguish it. Right. But as far as its author, um, it's pretty well known and believed that there are roughly 40 authors okay. that wrote it over a period of about 1600 years um, in three different languages, Greek, Hebrew, and a little bit of Aramaic. But the author of the Bible is actually God himself. Uh, mm-hmm. The word is inspiration that the finished product that we have today, all 66 books, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. The uh, the genesis of them is in the mind and heart of God. So ultimately, mm-hmm. God wrote the Bible, but he, he used, like I say, um, upwards to around 40 different people to write um, the Bible. Wow. The word inspiration means God breathed, and it's found in 2 Timothy 3.16. 
So when people ask about, you know, the uh, the genesis or the origination of the Bible, you'll sometimes hear two words that are used. One is, like I said, the word inspiration, which has to do with the finished product. Where the finished product is, like I say, God breathed out of the mouth of God. But the other word is inscripturation, kind of a funny mm, word, yeah. <laughs> inscripturation. And that's from first, I think it's first Peter chapter one, verse 21. And that deals with the process, not the product, but the process of how we got the Bible. Mm, wow. And second uh, Peter um, uh, one twenty one says that men were born along by the Holy Spirit and that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, mm, but men yeah. were moved by God. Mm. So inscripturation and inspiration, but ultimately the author is God. 39 books, primarily written in Hebrew, the New Testament, 27 books, primarily written in Greek. Wow. Wow. That's good information. Yeah, it's really a a love story, Cassie. Yeah. You know, you think of what kind of book is out there that was written 1600 years (laughs) where all these different authors have a part of telling the narrative story Mm. of the... of the the pulse or the heartbeat of God to redeem a fallen world through this coming future Messiah. Hmm. Dozens and dozens of prophecies about this one who would be born. He'd be born of a virgin. He'd be born in a tiny little village of, of Bethlehem and on and on. But the theme, if you could think of like a thread and a needle sewing its way through all of the 39 Old Testament books, and the 27 New Testament books Mm. with one common purpose, and that is to reveal God's heart to redeem a world that could not redeem itself. Oh, wow. Goosebumps. Yes. Uh, I love that. Never gets old. Yeah, it never gets old, that's for sure. And I also love, it's a love story. It's (laughs) one of my favorite love stories, for sure. (laughs) All right, let's go to the second question here. All right. Why does the Bible only seem to take place in Israel and not in other parts of the world? Did other people believe or even know of God outside of Israel? Well, if you read the Old Testament, especially the book of Genesis, which means beginning, we see that God had created man and put him uh, and his wife Eve in the Garden of Eden. And even today, uh, we believe that the Garden of Eden was somewhere between the Tigris Tigris and the Euphrates River. And then you keep going up to Genesis chapter 11, where man tried to govern himself and wouldn't take, uh, wouldn't listen to any other voice but his own. And God twisted up their languages and he scattered the the human race. Mm -hmm. And so even the word Mediterranean means middle earth. It means the sea in the middle of the earth. So the population started in that part of the world. So it only stand to reason that a lot of the the stories of the Old Testament, they originated from that part of the world. Hmm. It wouldn't be from outside of that part of the the, the world because that's where the population started. And Hmm. then from there, it went out further and further and further. Wow. Okay, so then it was being spread by word then from one person to the next to the next. Well, yeah, and you especially see it in the in the New Testament in, in the book of Acts where the gospel begins to explode, you know, 
Peter's preaching and 3,000 people, you know, accept Christ, or, you know, and, and the gospel begins to expand and, and, and even explode. You think about Philip who came upon the Ethiopian uh, eunuch who was uh, along the roadside and he was quoting, reading scripture and he, he just didn't understand what he was saying. And so Philip takes time to, to teach him about who God is and he gives his heart to hmm. the Lord and he says, hey, let's go down the river right now. Let's get you baptized. Hmm. And, and that's how the gospel hmm. spread to Africa hmm. was that moment. Hmm. So oh, okay, these, okay. there's these God moments where you see, uh, and, and if you read in, in Paul's journeys, uh, missionary journeys where where it spreads into Asia and, and all to all parts of um, of, of the world, that just begins to, to expand and explode. Hmm. And that was God's original design, right? And to start in Jerusalem and then go to Judea and then okay. Jerusalem, and they says what to the ends of the earth. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So as time marched on, you know, the world population just expanded. Yeah. From there to other countries oh, wow. and other continents. So Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That's good. All right. You answered my question that I had in my head. All right. So let's go to the next question. There are many things in Genesis that I am curious about, but one question I have is why did God lie about what the outcome would be if Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit? He said they would die, but they did not. Hmm. These are such great questions. Yeah. These are some of the same questions that I had as oh, a really? young Christian. You know? yeah. yeah. I thought, man, how can it be? It just it seems like, wait a minute, you said they would die, but they never they did. They didn't. Yeah. No, I I believe I yeah, had that sure. same exact question. Oh yeah. So allow me, can I just read yeah, Genesis please. chapter yeah. two, yeah. verses sixteen and seventeen. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Hmm. And on the surface, you would think physical death, wouldn't you? And that's what most people think. It's not physical death. When our very first parents, Adam and Eve, ate of that forbidden fruit, the fruit that God told our first parents not Mm -hmm. to eat of, they, be, they, they died spiritually. And ever since that moment, sin has been in the world. So every single person that has ever been born is born what we call a sin nature. Mm. It's called the Adamic sin because it's a part of Adam and Eve's original sin. Wow. So every single person died spiritually when they ate of that forbidden fruit. Hmm. I would probably say um, one of the verses that's related to that, because when I saw the question, I thought, I'll bet you people would like to know kind of part two to that question. Just a couple uh, verses later in Genesis 3.15, it says that he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. You remember that verse before? Mm-hmm. You've read it before. Mm-hmm. Kind of an odd verse and you wonder, what is, is this <laughs> yeah. crushing uh, heel yeah. and, and head stuff? Yes. But that's actually the very first prophetic utterance about the, what, what Satan would do to Jesus, but what ultimately Jesus would do to Satan. Okay. okay. Um, in, in Genesis 3, the serpent says in part, and I'm going to put enmity 
which means um, a divisiveness or Matt, what's another word for enmity, um, pressure, um, a separation, separation, yeah, separation that's a good one. Yeah. between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And you shall bruise their head and you will, but you will bruise his heel. Hmm. He's, he's saying in part that the serpent, yes, is going to bruise the heel of Jesus. Hmm. Jesus did, in fact. He died on the cross, came out of the cross, the th- out of the grave the third day. But ultimately, Jesus will not just bruise, but crush the head of, of Satan. So the first messianic prophecy, again, that he will crush your head, that means that I'm going to put that enmity between uh, the man and the woman. In fact, let me read it out of the uh, Amplified Bible. It says, and I will put enmity or hostility between you and the woman and between your seed, that is your offspring, and her seed. He finally shall bruise your head. That's the very first Hmm. prophetic prophecy of -hmm. this coming Messiah, the friction that's between mankind and God. But the second messianic prophecy is in that same verse, verse 15, that you will strike his heel. That is to say that the serpent will bite the heel of the woman's seed. The heel bite is is uh, set in contrast to the 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 crushing of the head, as the amplified version brings it out. So this one verse in Genesis three fifteen is the very first mention of this cosmic battle between good and evil, and the foretelling of what's going to happen to Satan and what's going to happen to Jesus, him being crucified on a cross. Mm. It's really a beautiful picture. Yeah. So I, I just hear this question and I'm sure others are wondering the same thing, but if God, so it's almost like that had to happen, right? Because why would God, if he knew that Adam and Eve, he knows all. So he knew that Adam and Eve were going sure. to eat of the apple, right? Didn't surprise him. Didn't surprise him. So why didn't he change the course of that? Well, because love has to be a choice. He wanted yep. us to choose him hmm. from the beginning of time with Adam and Eve. And even today, we have a choice hmm. to follow him or to not follow him. Right. And, and so without the choice, it's not real love. Right. So well, good. That, that is so good. You know, the same choice that God gave our first parents to obey or disobey is the same God that's giving us the choice today. You know, we're not like marionette puppets where our wrists and our feet are on the dangling on the end of a string and he is making us obey and follow him. Mm-hmm. He's giving us probably outside of his own life on the cross, the greatest gift of all. And that is a free will. Yeah. We have a choice, don't mm-hmm. we? We have a choice mm-hmm. to do right or to do wrong. It's a powerful thing. It can be an incredible blessing or it can be an incredible curse. But just as he gave our first parents, he's still giving people today. Yeah. I love that. It is. I think that's what people get confused so much is that, you know, when you become a Christian, you have to be this way. You have to do this. You have to do that. And it's like a strict rules you have to go by, but it's really just God allowing us to choose him and to build that relationship through these hardships, through these hard times. Like we can just be like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to follow God anymore at any point we want to, but 
we choose to love him because now we know yeah, what it's like to sure. be a Christian, what it's like to follow Christ. And it's way better yeah. than not. Being. And he's still given the same invitation today. Yes. yes. Come follow me and yeah. I'll make you fishers of men. Hmm. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's always inviting mankind. Come, hmm. come, come mm-hmm. follow me. Yeah. Oh. And, and I think what's important to hear is that people, it comes down to motivation because here's the thing, um, especially youth, they view the Bible as a list of rules, yeah. do's and don'ts, and you yep. got to do this and you don't do that. And oh man, confusing. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, even, even in the New Testament, you know, I mean, it's still confusing to them. Like why, what's the rules? But it really comes down to the motivation of your heart. Because if you truly love God, then you are motivated to obey, obey what, him. Yeah. what he wants for your life. Yeah. But if, he's, if you're not in love with Christ, if you don't have a relationship with him, then it becomes this rigid book of rules that's mm. like, oh, crying out loud. I, I just can't do this. Yeah. This is too much. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's way easier to not follow God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. In I don't have ways, to learn how to do ways, that. Yes, yes. <laughs> I heard somebody yeah. say the other day, you don't believe in sin? Well, let's take two children and one toy and put them in a closed room with the door closed, and I'll show you sin. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, man. Okay, you guys. Um, Next question. Is it against the Bible to get tattoos? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm covered in tattoos right now, so I'm curious. This is why we've asked you to be here today. We wanted to talk to you, Cassie, about this. No, I'm I'm kidding. I hope you know I'm kidding. Yes, absolutely. Yes. You know, within the Christian life, there's this thing called liberty. Okay, liberty. Yeah. I like to think of it like this, that there's uh, this freedom pendulum. Okay. Mm-hmm. So think of a pendulum. If I was to have hold this pen vertically in my hand here and swing it way to the left, you would you'd be legalistic if you were to live, as Matt just said, mm-hmm. as Pastor Matt was referring to living by a just a dogmatic set of hard and fast rules. Well, who wants to live under that regime? In fact, that was the posture of the of the Pharisees. Did you know that there are 629 Old Testament Mosaic laws, the laws of Moses? I remember that number because the prefix to the Stanwood phone number is 629. (laughs) So there's 629 Old Testament Mosaic laws plus the Ten Commandments. So about 600, I don't know who took the time to to count all those things. (laughs) But can you imagine, Cassie, living every day of your life trying to bear up under the burden of keeping every law who could do it Mm. in fact that's the question that jesus answered he says no one can do it Mm. no one can do it but if you were to swing all the way to the left that's legalism okay if you swing all the way to the right that's called license I'm going to do it because I can do it and I want to do it. And that's all that matters. Hmm. And that's also being blinded. Okay. You're swung way over to the right. I like to think of the pendulum, my pen is straight up and down. Uh, and that's the area, what I call the liberty. Hmm. And, and, and this subject of, of having a tattoo, I don't know that it's right or it's wrong. Hmm. I think it's an area of freedom. I know that uh, my my uh, sister-in-law, when she and her husband were missionaries in Togo, West Africa, 
for a woman to have a pierced ear meant that she was a prostitute. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. So culturally, that's what that signified. So for them to go in and want to make a difference for Christ with their life by not being sensitive to what how other people viewed that, it would mm. be, I guess, wrong. Right. It would be insensitive. Mm. So the right thing would be, I choose because of the freedom that I have to not force my my right to do that but I, I give it up for the sake of the better cause because after all i am my brother's keeper it's all about yeah. christ isn't it right it's so wherever true. we go whatever we do however we talk whatever we wear mm-hmm. we want to be the the reflection of christ to yeah. a lost world galatians five thirteen says this for you were called to freedom brethren only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh mm. but through love serve one another so i would say cassie if having a tattoo genuinely opens a door for you to be more like christ to people that need christ and and if if that somehow gives you a a toehold to share your faith with people you have the freedom to do it, but make all, just always check your heart that you're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, so true. All right, so we have two questions left here. Um, so let's go with, is it important to get baptized? Yeah, so that that's a great question. Is it important to get baptized? Uh, we believe that baptism you know, does not save you. So if you were to die today and you have not been baptized, but you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And, and you... I hope you guys are learning so much so far. I know I did. Every question I was like, oh yeah, I had the same question or it resonated with something that I was feeling or questioning myself. So I am having so much fun with this so far and I'm absolutely loving it. And I hope you guys are as well. So this was part one and part two will be coming out on Monday. I normally have them come out a couple of days later, but I'm going to go ahead and save this for the next Monday just to kind of keep the flow going with my normal schedule. So be sure to come back on Monday, February 8th for the second part of this episode. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and I'll see you next Monday.